give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon. Amen. I love what I feel in the presence of God. How about you? Amen. I love, amen, the fact that God is moving. God is doing great things. And, uh, you know, I can tell, I can tell that, that there's been people that have been dedicating and consecrating themselves in prayer and fasting, amen, since the beginning of the year. And we want to remind you that we are doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you'll pick a day a week to fast, um, or maybe it's you can only do a meal, whatever it might be, but you dedicate yourself that you're going to pray, you're going to fast, you're going to read the Word, you're going to come to church. There's just something that happens when the people of God bind together in unity. Amen. The, ba the bands of wickedness will be broken. And everybody said amen to that. Praise God. Also, as Brother Diaz already mentioned, immediately following service, we will be um, we will be giving an opportunity for those that weren't, weren't able to make it, members of the church, to take communion. And uh, we don't enter into that lightly. We don't suggest that everybody take communion. But uh, those that are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and living a godly, overcoming life. And everybody said amen to that. And then also, amen, as we announced last Sunday, we have uh, been blessed to get another unit for our storefront. And uh, we, we entered into this next unit we got the keys for it and we have designated that today we're going to take up a special offering for that and so we're going to do that immediately following altar call and uh maybe you'll say well pastor i didn't i didn't bring it today i forgot that's all right you can write your name down on an envelope and uh, you have 30 days to get that in that's going to help us with our expansion and uh how many knows that nothing's free it takes money to make things work the bible even says money answereth all things Amen. Sometimes you got more month than you got money, and the answer is no, but it answers all things. And so we're going to take up an offering for that, and uh, God will bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school kids to their classrooms. And everybody say God bless our Sunday school kids, and God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. I also want to say it's good to have Angelina and Antonio in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. Doing Bible studies with them each week, and so excited to see them here and believing God's got great things for them. If you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 9. Amen. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 9. I know you got to turn a long way in your Bible to get there. Maybe about 12 pages if you're reading from the same Bible as me. Amen. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which has openly opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. 
When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it reads Genesis 4.13 like this. And Cain said to the Lord, My crime is too great for me to be forgiven. Puts a whole different perspective on Cain, huh? A little different than Cain just being a punk. Cain says, My crime is too big for me to even be forgiven. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass. You know when you got a guilty conscience? To a thief, everybody's a thief. To a liar, everybody's a liar. To a murderer, everybody's out to get him. A little paranoia. And Cain says that he's looking way down the road. He doesn't know what day it's coming, but he's always going to be feeling like he's got to look over his shoulder because in his mind, my crime is too great for me to be forgiven. And he's looking over his shoulder and he's saying that it'll come to pass that whoever finds me will slay me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And I felt very strongly impressed in prayer to preach on this subject, marked by mercy. Marked by mercy. Would you set down your Bibles? Would you pray with us here today? Amen. I'm believing that God's going to touch each and every one of us. I know that the Lord has already been in this place. People have already been praying in this building and at their homes and fasting and reading the Word. And I believe the atmosphere has already been set in worship. We've already invited the presence of the Lord in this place. And I believe that God is in this house and that there's going to be mercy that flows, amen, from the front of this building all the way to the back. I believe that every guest, every visitor, every saint of God, both new and old, I pray that the mercy of God would fill this room in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments here today. Amen. Marked by mercy. In this passage, we find it's right after the, what we call the fall of man. God had told man, he put Adam and Eve in a garden. It was perfection. There was no problems. There was no sin. And God put a tree in the middle of the garden and said, don't eat of this tree. Because in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Mankind disobeyed. They did what they thought was best. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us in Romans that by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And the promise of God was that there was going to be a son born of a woman that was going to crush the head of the serpent, crush the head of the adversary. And the Bible declares that it wasn't too long after the fall of man. We don't know how, how long it was, but finally they went forth and they did what God commanded. They were fruitful and they multiplied. And the Bible declares that Adam and Eve conceived and they brought forth a son and they called his name Cain. 
And Eve had said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Another way of reading that is, I have gotten a man, even the Lord. Because there was an understanding, this is the first birth that has ever happened. This is so new to humanity, they immediately, there's now another being that looks like them, that talks like them, that walks like them. And no doubt they thought back to the promise of God of redemption, that Cain is going to be the one that is going to save us. Cain was seen by Adam and Eve as the man that was going to crush the head of the serpent. And God was gracious to them, and they birthed another son, and they called his name Abel. And here they are. Now they've got two opportunities for there to be redemption and salvation. And the Bible declares in the process of time that that Cain and Abel offered sacrifices to the Lord. And I don't have time here today. We've done it in Bible study, and maybe another time we'll do it again. But they both offered offerings to the Lord. And the Bible declares that God had respect unto Abel and to Abel's sacrifice. But he did not have respect unto Cain and Cain's sacrifice. There's a few main reasons. I'll point them out quickly. Number one, Abel offered the firstlings. He didn't offer God what was left. He offered God what was first. And God has always required not just the best. God has always required the first, the preeminence. He doesn't want the leftovers. He wants what you have to give him first. And everybody said amen. Secondly, he offered blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no washing away of sins. There was an understanding Amen. That Abel saw his parents sacrifice, and so he was going to sacrifice, amen, to the Lord that which God had required. And thirdly, amen, it seems as if Cain offered what he thought was best. He offered the fruit of the cursed soil, and God doesn't want things that are cursed. Amen. And so those are just three of the main reasons in which God rejected Cain and Cain's sacrifice. But Cain didn't, didn't just leave it on that. He got mad at God. The Bible says he was wroth. Amen. I ain't never been wroth. Amen. He's been, he, was, he was mad at God. His countenance fell. It means his, he started, his face started being disfigured. He started getting real angry. Amen. At God. And instead of going to God and asking God, what can I do to make this right? What can I do to make this better? His anger against God started turning into anger against his brother. And he thought to himself, instead of going and making this right with God and preparing a new sacrifice, instead, if I just eliminate the other sacrifice giver, then maybe my sacrifice will be successful. Maybe if I can just be the only sacrifice, that my sacrifice will be best. In other words, if I can be at first place out of one, it'll be good enough. And the Bible declares that in the middle of the day, Cain found his brother in the field, and he, we don't know how, but he took up an instrument, a rock, some kind of uh, farming utensil. We don't know exactly what it was, but the Bible says he rose up and he killed his brother. Now, before this, God had warned him. God saw what was happening in Cain's heart, and he gave him an opportunity to turn around, but Cain did not accept it. Instead, he let this fire of anger kindle against his brother, and he stood out and he killed his brother in spite of of God's warnings. And now God has come forth to call Cain upon what Cain has done. 
and he, he asked Cain, where is your brother? I want you to notice God does this over and over again. The Bible declares of the devil, he is the accuser of the brethren. He is going to come at you with accusation. But notice how God operates. Every time somebody fails, God gives them an opportunity to say the truth. God gives them an opportunity to declare and be honest about where they really are. God opens up dialogue and conversation. He doesn't come out and just accuse people, even though he knows what they've done. And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Amen. He just, another slight against his brother. Amen. Another slight against God. And then God comes forth and says, Cain, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And that blood is crying for me to avenge him and to bring forth judgment. And Cain, amen, all of a sudden now that he's been caught red-handed and God begins to pronounce over him judgment, he says, you are going to be a vagabond. You are going to be a wanderer. And when you till the ground, the thing you've been operating in, the thing you've been working in, it will not yield, your, yield you its strength. It's going to be even more difficult, more difficult than the cursed ground. Now, not only is the ground cursed, Cain, you are cursed. Amen. In fact, it's the only person in the Bible that we find that God has set a curse upon that I can find. And maybe I'm missing one, but, but God set a specific curse upon that man individually and said Cain you are cursed and he set a mark upon Cain and it is in that moment that Cain begins to cry out to the Lord it is only after he is caught only after judgment has passed that Cain uh, begins to realize. I want you to notice this how our human condition is. Amen. People are not always sorry at first, but they're sorry when there's consequences. And they're sorry when they get caught. And they're sorry when all of a sudden things start to collapse upon them. I just want to tell everybody on the outset of this, don't wait until you get caught red-handed. Amen. To get things right. Don't wait until consequences and judgment begins to fall in your life to make things right. And, and he, he says, God, God, I, I, I can't believe this. I, I, I can't do this. And as we read, he said that my punishment is greater than I can bear. My, my, my crime is so big that I cannot be forgiven. And the Bible declares, and so God put a mark upon Cain. This mark, it's not known what the mark is, but this word mark actually is the word sign. Almost as if there would be a divine indicator over or on Cain. But it wasn't necessarily that God marked him in his flesh. This mark of Cain has been a source of contention. It has been a theological debate. But the truth is, nobody knows what the mark of Cain was. It is often assumed that his mark was visible. Amen. But we don't know for certain. The Hebrew word translates the mark is the word oath. And that refers to mark sign or token other places in scripture it's used 79 times and it is most frequently rec recorded and translated as the word sign other examples of this word is in ezekiel chapter 9 when god tells ezekiel and god gives ezekiel a vision of a man placing a mark upon the foreheads of specific people in the city this mark seems to set them apart as being righteous and to spare them from the fate 
that others that don't have the mark would receive. Revelation 7 and 3 later says that God's servants are sealed with a mark upon their forehead. Revelations 13 and 16 also describes the satanic counterfeit to this mark, identifying allegiance of Satan or the Antichrist, the false Messiah, as the mark of the beast. The devil's always been a copycat trying to place marks upon people. The Old Testament declares that circumcision was a physical sign, a physical mark of an eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, amen, the, the, the receiving of the Holy Ghost is the mark or the seal upon you and upon me. Hallelujah. I just want to remind somebody that we've been marked by God. I just want to remind everyone that's ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost that you have been marked. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. I said all that to say this. God has used marks and signs on his people for a long time. Like so many others that have read this text, and maybe as I read it, uh, you might have noticed it as I have. I have always read the story of Cain killing his brother Abel. And when I look at it, when I've just kind of, read it, I, I, I get an understanding, but it doesn't, something just didn't quite click in my brain until I read it again, but what Cain did was bad, and he was cursed, and he was marked, which is also bad, amen, Cain sinning was bad, but now he's cursed, and he's marked, which in my brain immediately just associated all of those things as being bad, it, it, it was clear to everyone that Cain was a marked man. He was a sinner. He was an evildoer. He was shameful. But I had to reread the story because that was not why Cain was marked. Amen. Yes, the sin was bad. Yes, the curse was bad. But the mark of Cain was not bad. It was God's promise to Cain that he would have divine protection. Amen. That God would protect him if anybody tried to kill him. Amen. I know that in this building here today, we've all felt like the marked man. Amen. Everybody in this building has felt like a marked person at least once or twice in your life. You felt like you had a target on your back. Let me talk to all the folks that have felt that before, that have felt like a marked person. I'll tell you what that feels like. It feels like there's a giant billboard hanging over your life that everybody else can see. We often feel this when we are feeling guilty, when we feel shameful, when we feel regret over our actions. We think everybody else can see our wrong. I'm going to preach to somebody here today that you came to church feeling like you got a billboard hanging over your life. That, Amen. When you walked in the doors, everybody saw what you were doing last night. I got news for you. Nobody saw where you were. Nobody saw who you were with. There was no billboard over your life that everybody could see that told them everything you've ever done wrong. I've just come to remind you here today the devil is a liar. He wants you to think that you've been marked by bad things and marked by shame and marked by guilt and marked by remorse and marked by regret and marked by the stains. But I've come to preach to somebody that's not the mark that God God has put over your life. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise here today. 
Oh, let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not marked by my shame. I'm not marked by my sin. I'm not marked. Amen. Often we feel like, and I know how it is, and I've I've preached about it before, but, amen, that's why some folks come to church and they can't quite lift their hands because they think if I lift my hands, everybody's going to see what I've been doing. If I I say hallelujah, somebody's going to cry out hypocrite in the back. Hallelujah. No, it's just the devil. And if you are if you are accusing people, you are doing the devil's job. Amen. You ought to you ought to just go on unemployment and stop doing the devil's job. Praise God. And there are people that they think that they have this giant sign, but that's 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 kind of how I've always viewed the mark of Cain. Amen. That he was marked, and every time somebody saw him, they would go, That's the man that killed his brother. That's the man. That, that, that disobeyed God. That's the man. Amen. And, and, and I want to tell you, it just, it's, it's really shifting my view. Uh, amen. Because that's not the case of the mark of Cain at all. Uh, it was not to remind others of what he did wrong. The mark upon Cain was not to remind others that he was guilty. It was not to remind others uh, about all of the things he had done that God was against. Uh, It was to cover him from judgment. It was to cover him from revenge. It was to cover him from retribution. I want to preach to somebody, the mark of Cain was not to curse him. The mark was to preserve him. The mark was not there to hurt him. The mark was there to save him. The mark was... I've come to preach to somebody, uh, he was marked uh, by mercy. Uh, He... Hallelujah. It was a mark of God's mercy that said, I'm going to give him another chance. I'm going to give him another day. I'm going to give him another opportunity. I've come to preach to somebody, you've been marked by mercy. God's given you another day. God's given you another chance. God. Hallelujah. That's why Lamentation says it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. This is why over and over and over again, David, who had fallen into sin, had killed a man, stole his wife, made mistakes, began to proclaim that the Lord's mercies are new every single morning. I just come to remind somebody about mercy. Mercy is not too small. Mercy does not stop. I want to preach to somebody, mercy is renewed. Mercy is greater than your mistake. He was marked by mercy. Amen. Mercy is simply God withholding what we deserve. Amen. It's the judgment that we deserve that it belongs to us because we have done wrong. Amen. I want to tell you. Amen. Those are the people that say, well, I've never done wrong. You, 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 well, then you're never going to get mercy. <laughs> Amen. And thank God you've never done wrong and you're perfect. But for the rest of us, can I just talk to the rest of us that have needed mercy? Amen. I want to tell you, God, God is not looking for people that have lived, amen, so perfect they never needed mercy. Because he would, he would have nobody in his church. Amen. He would have nobody preaching behind this pulpit. If God was looking for people that were perfect, that Bible would be empty. It would have one person in it, and it'd be Jesus and Jesus only. If he was looking for people that didn't need mercy, it'd just be Jesus. 
Because every person from Genesis to Revelations has needed mercy. They have needed God to withhold judgment. They have needed God to give them another chance and another chance. And when they failed that chance, they needed another 10 chances. And after they failed those 10 chances, they needed another 20 chances. And, and God's kingdom is full of people that are needing mercy. Uh, Amen. I want to tell you, there's something about people that have received mercy. There are people in this room, uh, amen, that you are marked by mercy. Can I talk about it for a moment? There are people in this room that you have scars from your past life. I'm talking about your B.C. Hallelujah. You're before Christ. We don't like to talk about before Christ. We only want to testify about after Christ. But there's something about people in this building. Everyone in this building has got a B.C. Don't act like you don't. Everybody's got a B.C. Everybody's got a before Christ. Amen. I know that we dress up nice and we do that because we want to honor the Lord. Amen. But don't let the tie and suit fool you. Everybody here has got marks of mercy. There's people in this building that have got cuts up and down their wrist. Well, I'm going to preach to somebody. There are people in this room that have got needle marks, tattoos, uh, amen, from the past you. They got nicotine-stained fingers and teeth. Hallelujah. There are people that, that have got all sorts of things. There are some folks that have got broken bones from a past life. Uh, amen. These, all of these marks, uh, amen, in your past life, uh, these were reminders of addiction. Uh, they were reminders of depression. They were reminders of confusion. They were reminders of sin. But I want to tell you here today that after you go through Christ, uh, after you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, what was a mark of your mistake, uh, all of a sudden becomes a mark of mercy. Now when you raise your hands and they see those scars and they see those tattoos, I want to tell you it's not a mark of mistakes, honey. It's a mark that God has been merciful. It's a mark that God is gracious. It's a mark that God is a loving, forgiving God. Is there anybody that's got a testimony that they can lift up their hands and say these hands don't belong to the devil anymore? This life doesn't belong to the devil anymore. It belongs to God. If you've been marked for mercy, why don't you lift up your hands and magnify the Lord? Come on, everybody in this building. You've been marked by God, not marked for judgment, but marked by mercy. Marked for mercy. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give him praise. You ought to testify with your lips. You ought to testify with your hand clap. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not what I once was. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to tell you the church has been marked by mercy. Rahab, the Bible calls her Rahab the harlot. That's right. She was a red-letter woman. She was a scarlet woman. I love how the Bible doesn't shy away from facts. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't hide the fact. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. And she is in the lineage of Jesus. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? You know, most religiosity, most religious circles would, would, would shy away from that. Every other religious text tries to make their person look perfect. Amen. But when you look through the Bible, it has no problem telling you everything everybody ever did wrong so that when people like you and I that have made mistakes and we've done wrong, we can read that book and we can realize the story is not over at the mistake when there's still mercy. 
I want to tell you about the mark of, of, of Rahab. Rahab, it used to be a mark of mistakes because she would take that scarlet cord and she put it outside her door. And that let everybody in the community know that if you're looking for a prostitute, that's where you go. But I want to tell you how God's mercy works. Amen. When the spy said, uh, here's the sign, uh, here's the mark uh, that we're going to know that you are, 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 are going to be saved and your family's going to be saved. Uh, you know that scarlet cord you used to use uh, to tell people all this other bad stuff? Uh, why don't you take that scarlet cord and put it on the outside of the walls? Uh, and as we march around seven days, uh, and then we begin to shout, uh, amen, every other bit of the wall is going to fall except for your part. What used to be a mark of her mistake now became a mark of mercy. What used to be a mark of her old profession and her old life was now a mark of mercy. I once was lost, but let me change it. I now am found. I once was blind, but now I see. Is there anybody that can testify today that you used to be messed up, but God had mercy? You made mistakes, but God made some mercy. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I just came to remind somebody about your marks of mercy. I've come to remind somebody about the scars you carry. Amen. They're not to, to signify the devil, and they're not to glorify the devil. They're to glorify the God that has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm a preacher, somebody. You know, when Noah went through the flood, he saw dark clouds come over the sky and the rain begin to fall. And it was in that moment, amen, he realized the judgment of God was falling. And they all got on the boat. And now it's a new day. They got out of the boat. And he looks up and he sees dark clouds. Now, I want to talk to you about PTSD for a moment. We don't know about it like he does. Noah's like, get back on the boat. Everybody get back on the boat. It's not over. We thought it was over. We got out too soon. And God showed up and said, hold on. Because I don't want you to see clouds and for the rest of your life run for cover. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I, I'm going to give you an oath. Same word he used for Mark. Amen. Uh, same thing he did to Mark Cain. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. And he said, I'm going to put my bow in the clouds. And every time you see a dark cloud, amen, I want, to, I want you to also look and see the prism of color that is a reminder of my mercy. It is a reminder that eight souls were saved by water. It is a reminder that it's not over. It is a reminder that I will never again judge the world like that. It is a reminder that I am a God of another day. It is a reminder of I'm a God of a new season. It is a reminder. I'm a God of the new world, of a new earth. It was a mark of mercy. Amen. Let me preach all the Jacobs in the building. Jacob was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. And every time he got in trouble, you know what Jacob would do? He would run. Can I preach to the Jacobs in the building? Every time you got bills that are late, you run. 
Every time you get in a fight, you run. Every time things look tough, you run. Every time you get in a trial, you run. Every time that things get tough in the church, you leave. Every time somebody offends you, you get out. I just want to preach to the Jacobs that you got the perfect ability to get up, get in your car, and run away. Amen. Every time you make a mistake, you run. And that's Jacob. But here he was in the middle of the night. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord began to wrestle with Jacob. And Jacob began to wrestle back with the angel. And God reached out and touched the hollow of his thigh. And the Bible says he put it out of socket. And the sinew shrunk upon the thigh. You know what? I, want, I just want to talk to everybody with hip problems. They hadn't been to the gym in a while. <laughs> Every time you get up, you, you limping. You're the Jacob I'm preaching to right now. The runner, the liar, the cheat, the thief, the one that when he got a blessing, only got it because he told his father who was blind, I'm Esau. Now has completely been changed for the rest of his life. Uh, the Bible says he's limping. And he's got to lean upon his staff. And everywhere he goes, and when he meets his brother Esau, his brother Esau sees him, but he doesn't see him as the brother that stole from him and, and lied to him and cheated him out of things. No, he sees him as a man that's crippled and disabled and to the world that would seem like a bad thing. But all of a sudden where Esau was angry, Esau instead thought, no, I can't do anything to this guy. He's already been judged by God. He's already been beat up. And Jacob, amen, wobbles and hobbles all the way through the rest of his life. But it was a mark of mercy. Because the Bible declares in Hebrews 11 that Jacob, who always ran, worshipped, leaning upon his staff. Amen. I want to preach to somebody about mercy. Mercy will, mercy will change your name. Mercy will change how you walk. Mercy will change how you live. And I want to preach to somebody. Mercy will change how you worship too. Amen. I can always tell people that have been recipients of mercy because it changes how they live. It changes how they act. It changes how they interact with other people. If you've never received mercy, you're less likely to give it. But if you've ever received mercy and you know what it is to be ready to receive judgment, you deserve it. And yet they've been merciful to you. All of a sudden when somebody does you wrong, you're more likely to say, you know what? I've been there. Amen. Every time Jacob thought about getting mad at somebody uh, for cheating him out of a deal or doing something wrong. Uh, he looked down at his staff and he looked down at his hollow leg and say, and such uh, were some of us, but we are washed, we are cleansed, we are justified. He was marked by mercy. Lift up your hands all across the building. Let's magnify the Lord. Come on, I'm just about done preaching. Come on, there's some folks here today, you've been marked by mercy. You ought to thank Him for it. You know when Paul came to the, into the church, the Apostle Paul, he came in smarter than everybody else. He, he came in a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And this is what Paul said. He said, I am the chiefest of all the Apostles. Imagine, that's what he said, I, imagine for a moment 
if, if I showed up and said, I am the greatest pastor that has ever lived. You, you know, I just, I just know there's enough people out there that's not possible. But Paul showed up and said, I'm better than Peter. I don't care if you preach the first message. I'm better than you. <laughs> I don't care if you walk with him on water. I'm better than you. This is in your Bible. And Paul said, I am the chiefest. I'm the best of everybody. But thank God for mercy. In fact, he was so arrogant that when Peter showed up and sat down to eat food with his Jewish buddies, the Bible says Paul was stood him to his face and said, you're a hypocrite. Talk about preachers fighting. Amen. Paul was so savage that when Mark messed up, amen, he told Barnabas, I don't want nothing to do with the guy. He's not good for anything. You know, this is a guy that wrote a third of the New Testament. I'm just really blowing somebody's mind right now. But thank God for mercy. Because <laughs> the Bible says, Paul speaking, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh from the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, because of the abundance of revelations. He said, I was too smart for my own good, and it was going to send me to a devil's hell. I was too, amen, too much in my own self. Amen, I would have made this gospel about me and not about Jesus. And so God in his mercy and in his grace gave me a thorn that won't go away. And the Bible says at the end of his ministry, he wasn't saying, I'm the chiefest of all the apostles. He said, I am the chiefest of all of the sinners. That's what happens when you're marked by mercy. Amen. You don't come out more arrogant and more prideful when you're marked by mercy. You realize I'm not standing here today because I'm better than you. I'm standing here today because I've been marked by mercy. I'm not alive today because I'm more religious than you. I can quote more scriptures than you. I'm here today because of the mercies of God. He said, amen. In fact, bring, this is the end of his ministry finish my course, all that stuff. He said, in fact, bring John Mark because he's profitable for the ministry. When you've been marked for, when you've been marked by mercy, you start marking other people with mercy. I'm coming to preach to somebody. Amen. I, 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 listen, I know what it is. Amen. When I first got saved, amen, I, I, I was very, I know for some folks, I still think I'm, might still think I'm sharp, but I was very sharp, very critical, very hard. I just thought everybody was a hypocrite and a devil, and they were all lukewarm, and I was the only one on fire for God. But you know, thank God for mercy. All it took was one trial. One trial. All it took was one problem to bring me to my knee. You know, well, I don't know why, why they're struggling so much. They just need to hurry up and get it together until God uh, even pulled back the hedge of mercy on my life uh, and I had to struggle just like they struggled. Uh, and all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I understand uh, your struggle a little bit better. I'm, I'm not justifying people sinning. I'm not justifying people doing wrong. Amen. But I want to tell you what happens when you're marked by mercy. It makes you more merciful. When you've been marked that's what it should do. It should make you a more loving person. It should make you a more merciful person. It should make you a kinder person. It should make you, oh, come on, somebody. Amen. When you've been marked by mercy, you realize I've got to be merciful. Peter sat down at a campfire and was asked three different times, do you know Jesus? And he said, nope. And on the last time, they said, no, no, no. You sound like one of those people to have been with Jesus. 
You sound like one of them apostolic tongue-talking people. You know what? You, 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 shout, you said hallelujah too loud. You, sound, you, you said praise God. You didn't mean it. It just came out. You said hallelujah, amen in the middle of our conversation. You're starting to sound like a Christian. You're starting to sound like an apostolic. You're starting to sound like everybody else. And he said bleep, 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 bleep. I don't know the guy. The apostle Peter. And he's sitting at that campfire and the rooster crows. And he's reminded of what Jesus said. He said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I failed him. I've denied him. And the Bible says Peter, who was a fisherman before, before Jesus called him, he said, all right, I'm just going to go back to fishing. And I preach to everybody that's made mistakes this week. Don't go back to fishing. Don't go back to drugs. Don't go back to hooking up. Don't Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. And just because you made a mistake doesn't give you license to keep making mistakes. Just because you made a mistake does not mean it's over. He said, I'm going back to my old life. And while they're fishing, and he's out there just probably cussing some more. Didn't catch nothing. Beep, 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 beep. Somebody said, hey, there... I think that's the Lord on the shore. You know where he found Jesus on the shore? Brother Troy? Jesus had started a campfire. Listen, I know we got stoves and electricity, but everybody used a campfire. Everybody used uh, logs and wood to cook their food. Even in those days, everybody sat around. It wasn't just that they were hanging out getting marshmallows. No, it was something they did just to make their meals. It was something every single day and every single night that he would have a reminder, I denied him, I denied him, I denied him. But thank God for mercy. The mercy that three times said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Third time, Jesus, why do we have to do this three times? Because I don't want you coming back to a fireplace thinking about the three times you denied me. I want you to think about the three times you reaffirm my mercy and you reaffirm that you love me. Somebody ought to stand to your feet and clap your hands and thank God for his mercy. Come on, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Come on. Those stars are to be a reminder of mercy, not mistakes, not your past. Amen. But God's greatness and God's goodness. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, you've been marked by mercy. Come on, let's pray all across this building. You've been marked by mercy. You've been marked by mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. Is there anybody here today? Amen. I I don't want to remind you of what you were before the blood, but I I do want to remind you of the mercy of God that spared you. Amen. Is there anybody that can remember, I deserve judgment, I deserve wrath, I deserve God coming down on me, but instead God was merciful. I think about all of the people in the Bible. The woman caught in the very act of adultery. That's embarrassing. Jesus looked at her and said, listen, daughter. He reestablished her relationship. He wasn't saying, go out, you you scarlet woman, and just be as bad as you've always been. No. He said, daughters don't act like this. 
He brought her back to a place of mercy and said, go your way and sin no more. And that's what God wants to do for somebody today. You know, Thomas said, Lord, he told all the disciples, he said, I I won't believe unless I could put my hands at the prints of the nails. You know what's powerful about that? Jesus showed up. And he said, you know what? I'm going to show you. These marks were the judgment of the world. But these marks are mercy to you. And Thomas, I just want you to know that these marks are mercy to you. I want to tell everybody in this building, Jesus took the marks of judgment so we could have the marks of mercy. Would you lift up your hands? I'm done preaching right here. Come on, let's pray all across the building in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Come on, the fact that you're still here is a mark of mercy. There's things that should have killed you, should have should have put you out of the kingdom but you are marked with mercy don't ignore the marks of mercy don't mistake what God has called mercy Paul that thorn in the flesh is the mercy of God Jacob that limp is now a mark of mercy can I preach to you your brokenness might be a mark of mercy don't reject it don't get rid of it praise God for it come on somebody lift up your hands and pray come on does anybody remember Does anybody remember what the Lord is? He said, you got to remember you were bondmen in Egypt. You got to remember, amen. Don't, don't, don't go back to those days, but you got to remember what it was like when you could when you couldn't wake up with peace and you couldn't wake up with joy. Every day you wake up, you got to remind yourself his mercies are new every single morning. I am not preaching to you here today because I'm the greatest Christian in this building. I know that's how people think. Like, pastor equals, like, professional Christian. <laughs> I wish that was the case. That'd be awesome. Like, I got, it, I got it on my resume, professional Christian. And I'm just better than you, and I've got more degrees on that about being a professional Christian than you. But that's not the truth. I'm not preaching to anybody here today because I'm more perfect. I just realize how merciful God is. That's why the Bible says to Timothy... He talks about patterns of mercy. Amen. All I'm called to do is to, is to equip the saints, perfect the church, all those different things. Why? Because I'm supposed to show a pattern of mercy. Amen. In other words, if God can do it in my life, if God can pull me out of a drug home and God can pull me out of suicide and pornography, if God can pull me out of all of that, God can do it for you. And you and I are called in this building as, as epistles seen and read of all men. Don't try to hide and cover up. But no, I've always been perfect. You know, some folks come to church and they always smile with like perfect teeth. You know, like pastor, we've never fought. Everything's always perfect. I know, I know, I know I'm talking to real people. But they want to act like when they come to church like they never had a problem. I want to tell you, that's not true worship. I'm not talking about going back to what you were. That's not what I'm talking about. But like there's a, that's why the Bible says that, that God is searching for worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth says, I'm going to lift my, I'm going to lift my hands that are scarred by cuts. 
Truth says, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to lift up these, these tatted sleeves. Truth says, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. This is for the Lord that has pulled me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Worshiping God in spirit and truth is the woman who was possessed with seven devils and was a prostitute. And she walked into, she walked into the room to Jesus' feet and didn't care what nobody else thought. She wasn't going to come in and go, well, praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see you, Pastor. God bless you. Amen. No, she went straight to the feet of Jesus. And she got down there. And she broke open that alabaster box. And she began to wipe his feet with her hair and her tears. And began to anoint the Lord. Amen. Why? She realized how merciful God's been to her. And she didn't care what nobody thought. Amen. I want to tell you what was happening here today in worship. There were some people that were marked by mercy. They didn't care what anybody else thought. Amen. They just wanted to worship God. And there were those that criticized that woman. But Jesus reminded them, He said, those that have been forgiven of much, the same love much. In other words, those that have a revelation of the mercy of God also have a revelation of worship and what it's worth. I want to preach to somebody. You've been marked by mercy. Worship like he's been merciful. You've been marked by mercy. Give him praise like he's been merciful. You've been marked by mercy. Live for God according to the mercy I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Today, there are people you might have come. This might have been your first time. And you might say, well, Pastor, I've got all sorts of problems. Bring your problems. Well, Pastor, I've got all sorts of mistakes. Bring your mistakes. Come on. We don't hide them. This is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Bring your problems. Bring your mistakes. Bring your best, but bring your worst. Bring your good, but bring your bad. Bring your good days, but bring your bad days. Bring your salvation, but bring your sin too. And say, Lord, lift up your hands and say, God, will you? I, I, there's some people like Cain saying, there's no way I could be forgiven. You don't know how merciful God is, Cain. You don't know how good God is, Cain. You don't know how much a mark of mercy will do on your life. Somebody lift up your hands. Come on, somebody needs to pray right now. I want you to take that, that problem before God. I want you to take that situation before God that you've been saying there's no way. You feel like Cain, there's no way I can be forgiven of this. There's no way God could ever love me after this. And I want you to lift it up before the Lord and say, God, would you be merciful to me? I want to tell you, you'll be shocked at how merciful God is. You would be, you would be, you would be so excited to realize he's more merciful than we are. Come on, somebody pray. You've been marked by mercy. You've been marked by mercy. Somebody will lift up your hands and give him praise. Be thankful for his mercy. Come on, somebody ought to be thankful for his mercy. If you've been forgiven of much, let that come out in your worship. If you've been forgiven of much, you ought to love much. Even if you don't feel like there's a whole lot, amen, left, you ought to give what you got left. Somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody, as we begin to sing, in the name of Jesus, somebody pray. Come on, not marked for judgment. Not marked for something to pursue me and take me out. No, I've been marked for mercy. I've been marked by the grace of God. I'm here today by the grace of God, by the goodness of God. 
Come on, somebody. When you look at your life, amen, you and I, if we're going to be honest, we don't deserve the house we live in, the cars we drive. We don't deserve the life we live. We don't deserve the spouse, the kids, the cats, the dogs. We don't deserve anybody but the mercy. Such a mercy did 
Let's pray. Lift up your hands all across this building. Come on. You've been marked by mercy. Come on, you've been marked by mercy. Come on, somebody lift up your praise. You've been marked by mercy. You've been marked by mercy. Oh, somebody pray right now. I feel the mercy of God. The tender mercies of God are in this place. Come on, if we're going to be honest, we live lives we don't deserve, but by the mercy of God and the grace of God. Come on, he's been better to me than I've been to myself. He's been better to me than I deserve. Thank you for mercy. Come on, I want you to consider where you could have been 
and where you should have been, but by the mercy of God. Thank you for the mercies of God. You know, if we're going to be honest, there are statistics out there for a reason. Add up the numbers, divide them down, get your percentage. And if you look at your background, demographic, heritage, whatever it might be, just on a, just on a human level, in a United States of America level, and you look where you are today, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Statistics would say that I, I should be dead or in jail right now. Statistics say I should be hooked on, on, on meth right now. I, like, I know, well, you're the pastor. No, no. Like, statistically speaking, I should have like three or four baby mamas. Statistically speaking, I should live in a gated community they call prison. That's where my dad was, praise God. I always told people he lived in a gated community, praise God. <laughs> Letting the hood out, praise God. But you know, statistically speaking, most of us shouldn't even be alive today. You know how many times you get in the car? You take for granted that you were able to get down the road. I mean, some of us braved that crazy snow on Wednesday and made it home. Oh, I'm just a good driver. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but by the mercy of God. And that's just the negative things he's withhold. But when I consider his mercy and his grace, see, the mercy withholds what I deserve, the bad stuff. But when I also consider his grace, him giving me things I don't deserve, come on, somebody, you start counting your blessings one by one. I want to tell you three things because I want to give you some practicals. Go home with three things that you should do when you realize you've been marked by mercy. Everybody say conviction. Alright, everybody say conviction. When you get mercy from God, that doesn't give you license to go back out and do it again. Man, he I went out and drove and I got I got I got drunk. We turned up and just I just wrecked and I'm still alive. I'm going partying next Saturday. You might have hit your head too hard in that last wreck. No, when God's been merciful to you, the first thing that happens is God convicts you and says, "Hey, I'm just giving you a wake-up call. You can't keep living like that." This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, or according to the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The least you can do when you realize how merciful God is is say, okay, God, I'm done living my way. I'm going to start living your way. When you realize how merciful God's been to you, you say, you know what? I'm going to start serving God. Everybody say mercifulness or be merciful. When you've received mercy, 
you ought to be somebody who propagates mercy. If you are judgmental, I'm not talking about righteously saying that's wrong. I'm talking about you're just critical of people. You might want to go back and check the mark of mercy. Paul put it this way. He goes down a list of all the sins that were of sins that were happening in the church. I think we forget Corinthians was not written to the city of Corinth. It was written to the Corinthian church. They were speaking in tongues. They were shouting. They were having great church. And he said, one of y'all is the worst. You guys need to stop. And he rebukes people and does all this stuff. He said, you guys all need to shape up. And there's people acting dumb. But he doesn't stop there and say, okay, you're all just a bunch of sinners. He says, hold on. We need to be reminded of mercy. He says, and such were some of us. But you are washed. When you realize how merciful God's been, show some mercy. They just need to get it together. Did you have it all together? Well, praise God. And everybody say thankfulness. You know, when somebody, I, I can tell when somebody's forgot about mercy, when they lose their praise. I can tell when somebody's forgot about mercy, when they lose their thankfulness. When people start getting greedy for more of, of, of all these other things they don't have, and they start being unthankful for what they do have. Right? This is when you can tell there's trouble in the marriage, when they're unthankful for their spouse. They start looking for another one. But if they realize how merciful God has been to them, to give them the life that they have now. Whew, man, I'm thankful for the car. Listen, I know you're not driving the car you want to drive. And we're talking about going for more this year, that, so don't misunderstand me. You can keep going for more in God and more in life. But, you know, thank God for the car you do have. Amen. I know you don't have the house you want to have, but thank God for the house you do have. I know maybe you're living in a studio apartment, but thank God for the studio apartment. I know that maybe you don't have everything where it should be. Thank God. When you realize you've been marked for mercy, you let God convict you. You become merciful to others. And you are thankful to God for the mark of mercy. Would you lift up your hands all across this building? Father, we love you. We thank you here today. We give you the great glory and honor and praise for your mercy, which is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God, I'm praising you and I'm thanking you for your mercy. And I pray, God, that we would live with that mercy, with that mark of mercy, and remind ourselves every day, amen, every time the devil tries to remind us of our mistakes, we shine back and remind him of the mark of mercy. We give you the glory and the honor and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. Amen. You can return towards your seats. In Jesus' name. If you need to, um, there are envelopes in the back. He, our ushers also have envelopes on them right now. Um, praise God. And so what we're doing now, again, this might be something where you go, well, Pastor, I, don't, I forgot. I don't have it on me today. That's okay. Just write, write your name down on, on, on a piece of paper or on the envelope or whatever, what you want to pledge to give in the next 30 days. This is going to help us to expand. We're going to be um, remodeling that other unit, and then we are going to be um, 
taking this other 240 side, knocking out the walls and expanding our fellowship area. It's going to be in two different phases, but this is going to help us cover that. And so we're going to pray that God would bless it. The ushers are going to come just like they normally do. And uh, well, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for this great opportunity that you presented to our church. Thank you for the mercy that you've given to us, God. I'm praying today that you would bless the offering, the sacrificial offering. Bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, amen. The ushers are going to come forward and they're going to, amen, if you if you're, have that ready, they'll get it. If not, you can get it to them here in a minute. In Jesus' name, God bless you. And don't run off if you didn't take communion. We're going to be doing that here in just a moment. Amen. After the ushers are coming to you, just shake hands with somebody. Tell them God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. I was excited for what God's doing. Amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. If you have not taken communion, looks like the ushers are kind of finishing up. If you have not taken communion, you were not able to be there. Um, again, I, I give clarification here. Uh, if you have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, and you are living right, amen, I want to clarify that. Uh, you want to just head back towards, when you're ready, just head back towards this room and meet me back there, and we will take communion, amen. For everybody else, we will see you Tuesday night at prayer, and then Wednesday night for service, amen, in Jesus' name. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another, God bless you in Jesus' name.